touch heaven if you're a guest here with us tonight if you would feel comfortable enough just maybe slip one hand up in the air and just like an antenna just say God I need you tonight I believe you tonight I'll be honest with you Antioch I feel something I've never felt here I feel like we're one church I feel like we're one body Somebody just whisper that name. Just say Jesus. Come on, say that name again, Jesus. Jesus. Now let me ask you a question in this house. How many want to go deeper than we've ever gone? How many want to go further than we've ever gone? If that's you tonight, I'm going to tell you this. Where we go from here, our response to the Word of God will determine 
where we go from here. Amen. Now I know there's those of you that are still praying, but we're going to we're going to see what God will do. So how many are ready for the word of the Lord? Cuz I believe tonight things things are going to happen not because an evangelist is here not because of any just because it's time there's already something you can feel it and I said it in the morning service and I'll say it again it's like a production or a play if you've ever been to a production or a play it's just like God had, when they turn the lights out And they begin to move things around the setting and the staging. They begin to move things around and the players begin to get in place. Preparing for the next act. That's where we are. Things are moving. We don't know what's going on, but we know things are happening. The players are moving into position. And God's about to turn on the light and reveal everything that he was doing in the dark. So how many would like that light to come on tonight? And for us to see the hand of God in what it has been doing. What it's been doing in my night season, your night season. Are you ready? Are you ready? While you're standing, if you would, would you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19 and also Genesis chapter 32. If you would, do me a favor and just keep this posture ready to move, ready to respond. And while you're turning to Genesis chapter 19, as is customary, I give honor to your pastor and pastor's wife. They've been so kind to me to be a friend and, and treat me so kindly. And I get to be cool by proximity because I get to hang out with his kids. Amen. And give honor to Bishop as well. I know he's not here tonight. Amen. Go ahead. And who they also call Mama Wright affectionately. Amen. All the times, you know, as many, as many times have I've come, I, I haven't got to spend a lot of time with Bishop, but as much as I come, people think I'm best friends with him. But he's never really been here except but one time, but yesterday I got to spend a little time with Bishop and I just, I just made up for all the times I didn't get to hang out with him. I just kind of sat there and stared at him for a little while. And we had a good time, so I give him honor and I got to have some of that infamous dessert of Mama right. Praise the Lord. Let's just take a moment. I'm just... Amen. Give honor to them. Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angel hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered. 
The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain. Somebody shout escape. To the mountain. Lest thou be consumed. But verse 24 says then the Lord rained upon Sodom in upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him. And she became a pillar of salt. Skipping down to verse 31. And the firstborn of Lot's children. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old. And there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. And we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. Somebody shout legacy. Legacy. Genesis 32 and verse 24. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except you bless me. And he said unto them, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Somebody shout legacy. My life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted or limped upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which strength which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day. Somebody shout this day. This day. Because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew. That shrank. This evening. This entire week. I've felt prompted. To preach about legacy. But from this thought. My limp. Is. My legacy. What I thought was a limitation. That thing that was producing pain in my present. Ultimately. My limp. 
is my legacy. Would you do me a favor one more time and just throw your hands up in the air and say, God, speak to us. Do in me, God, what needs to be done to be what you have for me to be, to do what you have for me to do. Would you pray with me together right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray the mind of the Spirit be revealed through an anointing to articulate every word from heaven. Give us ears to hear, I pray. Hearts to receive. Father, we ask it in your name. Through a humility of mind and a spirit of meekness, let us receive the engrafted word of God. To leave us changed, O oh God. To leave walking different. And we believe it. And we trust you tonight. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, bump your neighbor real quick and just tell him tonight I'm leaving with a limp. Amen. And you may be seated. Legacy speaks of influence. Legacy speaks of what you leave behind in the heart, the mind, and the spirit of the people that are in your life. It's been said legacy, speaking of influence. Legacy, speaking of what you literally leave behind and those you love and lead. But it's been said, and I've heard it many times, that you teach what you know, but you ultimately reproduce who and what you are. You can teach what information and knowledge you have obtained through life, but ultimately it's not what you teach or what you know. It's who you are and what you are that is reproduced in those you love and those you lead. Because this is a principle that God set in creation. Once again, I said it this morning and I'll say it again. That God and everything that he put life within in creation. He also put the ability to reproduce that life. Everything from the herb yielding seed to the fruit bearing tree. He also with life that was present the ability to reproduce that life. But with only one stipulation. He said of the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air. He put the ability to reproduce themselves. But he said one thing with one stipulation in reproducing that life that was in them. That stipulation was you could only reproduce after your kind. And this didn't stop short when God made man. He made man with the ability to reproduce that life that was breathed into him. That he would have sons and daughters. But the, the, the law still applies that a beast of the field cannot produce a fowl of the air. Nor a fowl of the air cannot reproduce a fish in the sea. Because of the simple law that you can only reproduce after your kind. So you can teach what you know. But you ultimately 
reproduce who and what you are. Somebody shout legacy. You reproduce what you are. And what you are. That's why when me and my wife, we look at my eight-year-old and my six-year-old and we'll look at them and we'll say, you know he got that creativity from me, don't you? Oh, you know he, and she'll come back, my wife, she know, you know he got that bubbly, per, per, she got that bubbly personality from me, don't you? And we'll go back and forth because guess what? Because your children, if you have children in this house, you have to understand and you probably realize that your children are the best of you on parade. So that's why me and my wife will go back and forth and we say, you know, you know, she got that from me, don't you? You know how, oh yeah, those eyes, yeah, he got those from me. And we'll go back and forth and we'll argue even to the point of, hey, they got, no, they got that from me. No, 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 they got that from me. But the moment my little girl throw a fit, that's your kid. Because this is a principle on, on display. Your kids are the best of you on display. They are an extension of who and what you are. So yes, they're creative because you were creative. Yes, they're bubbly because mama was bubbly. But the moment they throw a fit, it's automatically your kid. Not mine. Because not only are your children an extension and display of the best of you, but on the flip side, they are an extension and display of the worst of you as well. Because in them, whether subconsciously, consciously, you are looking at you in the mirror and that's who you are, an extension, an amplified version of who and what I am. Because I can only reproduce who and what I am. This is legacy. That's why people get touchy with their kids. Don't, don't, they get real touchy with their kids. Because whether they realize it or not, you say something about your kid, my kids, you're saying something about me. Because there is something that is deep inside of us that knows that they are an extension and are us on display, the best of us and the worst of us. Legacy. Because you reproduce who and what you are. So when you look at those pretty little angels that got horns holding up their halos, that's who you are. But when it speaks of legacy, you can look and you can, you can see a man by the name of Jacob that I read to you about speaking about legacy. Jacob was the patriarch that would ultimately come to be known as Israel. That his name and who he was would ultimately become the identity of God's chosen people and God's chosen nation. But that's not all, that's not who he had always been. Because one night, after he had lived a life of manipulation and deceit, he had robbed, he had thieved, he had tricked and schemed to get through life to get what he was after. Because that's what his name means, Jacob. Jacob means a liar or a deceiver, a trickster or a schemer. That's who he was and he lived up to his name. Until one night, 
when he got all alone all by himself, there was nobody to influence his decisions. There was no wife to be the neck that turns the head. He got all alone by himself. There was no peers and there were no parents. There were no kids to influence all by himself. He wrestled with what we come to know as an angel, a messenger, an ambassador of God. Jacob was alone with no outside influence, nobody whispering into his ear, no parental expectation that was not realistic to be placed upon him. No, he was all by himself. There wasn't another voice in the world but him and God. And there he wrestled with God. He got a hold of God, but he would not let him go because Jacob knew that through this angel there was an understanding that there is more of God than I have a hold of right now and when the angel said you've got to let me go he said no I will not let you go until you bless me and when that angel knew that Jacob was not going to let him go until he got what he was after that angel in the night season that Jacob was wrestling through reached down And touched Jacob's thigh. And immediately his hip is out of joint. But he kept on wrestling. There was pain in that night season. There was a struggle in a fight during that night season. But he wasn't going to let go. And when that angel reached down in the place of God. And touched with his hand the hip of Jacob. Putting it out of out of joint. It is from that encounter with God. Just one touch changed his entire life. That he would go from that meeting. That encounter. That night. Walking away with a walk. That was different. One touch. That's what I've come to preach. Just one touch. Can change the way you live your life. And the way you walk out of here. Just one touch. God can reach down. One encounter. Can leave you walking out of this place. Different than you walked in. Just one touch. Of the master's hand. Can change. The way that I walk. But can I tell you when he walked away. He had a limp. Probably was producing pain. and But did you realize. From just one touch. Just one encounter. In that night season. That he would walk away carrying with him a limp. That he would live with for the rest of his life. But remember when he received the limp in that night season. He was all alone all by himself. But did you know that he one day would be. uh, After that night season when the morning came. He would come limping over the hill. And mama would see him. His honey would see him. His children would see him. And they probably wondered. Hey hey, baby what happened to you? And, And his kids ran up and said daddy what happened? Many times I've done stuff stupid stuff. I'd come home and I'd be hurt doing something. I pulled something. Did some lifting or just 
sister. And my kids, daddy, what happened? And this is exactly what I see Jacob doing. Come limping over that hill. And his wife comes to him and says, what happened? What, what'd they do? What happened? Did you, did they do something? And his kids saying, daddy, what happened? And he had to explain to them that this limp was because he had been touched by God. And he had to explain to them that in my night season I seen God face to face. And he had to explain to them what looked like a limitation is where God laid his hand on me. And what it looks like a handicap is telling, oh God, what looks like a handicap is where God laid his hand. And this is where I seen God face to face so when others would see a limitation others handicaps they would see a legacy they when they seen their daddy come limping over that hill he went with a walk that told his children there's more than they realized. They, 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 did you understand the way that he walked, that limp became the very thing that told his babies that my daddy seen God face to face. My daddy got touched by the hand of God because of one encounter and that one touch that put his hip out of joint became the very legacy that he would live in his children because the way that he walked with one touch of God ultimately caused a nation to be born that would walk and be identified by the hand of God that was on their life. That limp became his legacy. Because when they would look at daddy and the way that he walked, they didn't see their daddy as crippled. They didn't see their daddy as handicapped. But they knew when they looked at their daddy as he'd hobble along and limp for the rest of his life, they seen something in him that they didn't have, but they knew was available. And I'm telling you, I want to live my life in such a way where my walks demonstrate to those I love and lead that there is more to God, that they can see him face to face. They can have the hand of God on them as well. That's the kind of legacy that he left. And did you know that the Bible said that because of the touch of God on his life, unto this day, the children of Israel do not even eat the sinew that nerve that connects the, the, the socket, nerve, the leg, the thigh to the hip and the socket. They don't even to this day eat that nerve. In fact, I, I got it wrote down just because it sounded good when somebody else said it. It sounded better. Watch this now. I don't usually use notes, so I'm, I'm, I might mess myself up. Watch this now. The sinew which shrank, that nerve that fastens the thigh bone into its socket, even to this day, a practice of the Jews in, in, uh, is in abstaining from eating of the sinew in the flesh of animals. That nerve that that angel touched, they don't even touch it. That is not founded in the law of Moses, but it is merely a traditional usage because his limp did not create law, but it left a legacy. And the sinew, why? The sinew has to be so carefully extracted that there are no 
person skilled enough for that operation nor any ability of man to touch what that angel touched that day. So the Jewish people do not even make use of the hind legs at all. So what they do now, they don't even eat the hind parts of an animal because they so reverenced the touch of God that was on their daddy's life that they knew, hey, that angel touched something that I couldn't touch. Doctors couldn't touch. Psychologists couldn't. I'm telling you, God can touch you down deep away and away that men cannot touch. They knew that this wasn't man's doing, but God touched my daddy in a way. And it was his limp that to this day is so reverenced by the people of Israel that to this day they won't even attempt to touch what God touched that night. Legacy. Just a simple limp so affected them the way that he walked. Pastor, that's what I want. I want to have an encounter with God that is so impactful that it don't just affect me but it tells my wife, baby, there's more to God. I want to walk with God in such a way, with the hand of God on my life in such a way that it tells all of these young men and all these young ladies, I want them to look at my life and I want them to say there's more to God. There's something in his walk. I can see the hand of God and I'm telling you uh, it was through the limp uh, that became his legacy but there was another man there was another man who had a legacy his name was Lot now Lot was the nephew of Abraham okay and Lot chose to live in the lowland plains of Jordan. Why his uncle Abraham, the patriarch, the one that was in covenant with God, he dwelt in the mountain with God. But Lot chose to live in the lowland plains of Jordan because they had better shopping there. They had better choices of places to eat down there. They had better job opportunities, better colleges down there in the land, the plains of Jordan. But one day angels came to Lot's house and came and said, Lot, get your wife, get your babies and escape to the mountain. He was living down here where they had better jobs and they had better shopping and and everything was good. They were comfortable. They lived there. But then when the angels came, they said, Lot, escape to the mountain. Don't stay in the plain. Don't stay down here. The angels were saying that there's more up there. So watch. Now, I believe that Sodom and Gomorrah, the wickedness of the world, had some influence on his family. But you have to understand that his, his next generation and his wife, they ended up perverted in a pillar of salt. And now we can attribute that to the wickedness of the world. But I don't think that the ultimate blow to their faith was the fact that the world was wicked. And they were, no, 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 I believe, possibly, just possibly. 
that while angels, listen, angels had Lot by the hand, the door was open and said, escaped from the, escape to the mountain. But the Bible says something that scares me to death. Before we blame the sin of Sodom and the wickedness of the world, could it be the reason why his wife looked back and his daughters ended up perverted and his legacy was tarnished was not because the wickedness of the world, but when the angels had him by the hand and was saying, don't stay down here, but go to the mountain. It was not Genesis 19 and 16 that says this. And while he lingered. Angels had him by the hand. No doubt the world had some kind of influence. But I don't believe the world has more influence over my family than I do. So I'm talking. Oh God. So can I tell you possibly the reason? Oh God. I don't want to blame the world for what I'm not doing. I don't want to blame the sin of Sodom when I refuse to lead what God has called me to lead. Because angels had him by the hand. The door was open. God was calling him to more. And he lingered in less when God was calling him to more. And that's where we can find ourselves. See, the question is not, will I have a legacy? The question is, what kind of legacy will you leave? Will you leave tonight with a limp for the rest of your life? Or will it be you lingering in a moment? lingering in less when God is calling you as individuals and as a church to more will you linger in less or will you limp for a lifetime you choose what legacy you leave tonight because watch now now this is a big a big a big deal because why did Lot's wife look back the angel said get out and don't look back but Lot's wife looked back turned into a pillar of salt now are you ready for some deep theological explanation you ready to go deep i mean get the scuba gear out we're going deep I was sitting there, I was sitting there watching Bishop last night. I was trying to poke the bear, maybe see if he'd just come out with some, just something, get him going a little bit. But we just had a good time, so I just, I just, I'll just stick with my revelation right now. The reason why Lot's wife looked back is because when Lot lingered, he didn't give her nothing to look forward to. Come on. And I'm telling you what, hey, you're going to have one legacy or another. And here's why I'm going to live my life. I want to live my life to give my wife something to look forward to. I want to live with a limp in such a way that tells my baby that there is more to this than just good jobs. There is more to this than just what college. There is more to this than just what kind of shopping. And there's more to this life than what's down here. There's a mountain that God is calling you to he wants you to climb the mountain 
God is saying, come to me. But when Lot lingered, he sowed a seed in the heart of his wife. I'm not going to blame the world for what I'm not doing as a man. I'm not going to blame the sin of Sodom for what I'm not doing. I don't want to linger in less when God is calling me to more. Because that's going to put something in the heart of my wife. And you wonder sometimes why we struggle in our marriages. I'll tell you why. Because God's call is going out to men to step up into their place of spiritual authority. To be the prayer warriors. To be the worshipers. To be the givers. To be the teachers. To be the preachers. God is calling us to more. But we've chosen to linger in less. I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Genesis 32. Well, Genesis 19 and 31. Look at the response of his daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Now let me break this down. God destroyed just two cities. And his girls had a breakdown. It said, oh, I'm never going to get a boyfriend. But why would they ever have that thought in their mind if God just destroyed two cities? And they equated two cities to God destroying all the men on the planet. Because, listen, when angels had daddy by the hand telling him about a mountain, it was that one moment that he lingered and less that told his babies, girls, this is all there is. So when all there is burnt to the ground, they said there is not a man in all the earth. I'm telling you, when we linger as a church and less, when God is calling us some more, you're telling your babies that this is all there is. All that matters is what college. All that matters is what job. All that matters is a loved one. All that matters is a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Oh, I'm telling somebody. I refuse to linger for one moment and less when my babies are watching me because I can teach what I know, but I reproduce who and what I am. So you can be okay with your 401k. You can be alright with not doing what God's called you to do. But don't you realize there's somebody sitting at your table. And they're watching why angels have you by the hand. And the door is open. What kind of seed will you sow in those you love and those you lead? I'm sorry if you can't tell. I'm fired up. 
because I refuse to live a life that tells my babies that only things that there are are things down here they can see, that they can feel. No, 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 babies. There is a place you can get with God where you can have Him and hold Him through a night season where He can touch you in a way like you've never been touched and change who and what you are. Uh, Come on, somebody clap your hands right now. Somebody shout yes! So you can blame the world. You can go ahead and blame the wickedness of the world and the sin on Sodom for this generation. But I'm not going to blame the world for something they're not responsible for. God didn't give the, the, your children to the world. He gave them to us. And I'm going to let my babies know, even if I got a limp all the way up the mountain, I'm not lingering. I'm not going to stay where I am because I know... But hear me, be seated just for a moment. I'm just going to, I'm going to break the bubble right now. I'm going to pop the balloon. There's more. I'm just going to say, there is more to God than what we can see and what we can feel. Because there is two things that are in both stories that we need to take note of. Each one of them happened at night. And in the, during the breaking of the day, in that tri- twilight transitional moment. But both of them had angelic, angelic encounters. Now, we're not supposed to focus on angels, but God has purpose for them. Why? Because angels are always indicators that there is more of God that is in the unseen than you can have in the seen. Think about it. There was a man by the name of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. The Bible said he prayed to God always. He feared God with all his house. He gave, he was devout. He gave much alms to the poor, but God sent him an angel because there was more. And that angel told him, come on, go find Peter. Cause there's more. It was a while ago, about maybe three years ago, I was, Going to preach for a man that I'd not really met. He was just a mutual, mutual acquaintance from some people that we knew. And I was going to preach a youth week for him. And uh, he picked me up from the airport. I'd not really talked to him, just kind of text and sent some emails. And when I got in the, in the truck with him, he looked over at me and he said, brother, near God is about to accelerate angelic activity. In your life. I don't know this man from, from Adam. And that's the first thing he says to me. I'm, oh, 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 okay. And, and it kind of threw me off guard. But it sent me on a journey from that point forward. And I knew that God was calling me to something more. Something deeper. He was calling me to climb the mountain. 
And from that revival, it just, it sowed a seed in me to think that there's something more. There's more to all of this than what I can see. So I went from that place and I went to another revival in Madisonville, Kentucky. Now, if you know anything about Madisonville, Kentucky, it is, it was the home of an old prophet named Jimmy Russell. They wrote books about him, the coal miner preacher. He was an old prophet of God, Jimmy Russell. He'd seen the dead raised to life. He had, he'd had angels and encounters with angels and he'd prophesied people's death and they wouldn't listen and they, he preached their funerals. Jimmy Russell was a prophet of God. Even his own son, Jimmy Russell went to his son the night before he went to the coal mines. He said, son, please don't go to work tonight. I had a vision. I had a vision of you dying in the coal mine. He said, son, please. Grabbed him around his ankle, said, please don't go. And he said, oh, dad, I got to go to work. I've got to feed my family. This is what I've got to do. This is who I am. But he said, son, don't go. The son went and he died in the coal mine that night. Jimmy Russell was a prophet of God. But a man of God in my life, Jason Sisko, I didn't realize it at the time. He'd gone to Madisonville, Kentucky years ago, 20 years ago. And that's where he began to preach as an evangelist. And he would do month-long revivals. And he's seen miracles there. And he was mentored by Jimmy Russell. Jimmy Russell took Jason under the wing and began to mentor him and expose him to things in the spirit that he did not know was there. Angelic encounters, visitations of God, visions, miracles. And I didn't realize that Jason had gone there. But when I got there, I was there preaching revival. And it was the craziest thing because every night I would have a dream. And that dream was Jason Sisko was sitting on the edge of my bed. See, that's how much I like sleep. I dream about taking naps. But pastor, as I'm laying there, and in my dream it's just me laying there in the hotel bed, and Jason Sisko's sitting on the edge of my bed, and he begins to prophesy to me. He begins to impart wisdom to me. And things of the Spirit he begins to just put in. As I'm laying there. Now that was alright. I woke up that night. We went and had revival every night. Every night we'd had a breakthrough. Every night we'd had Muslim men come in and renounce Islam. And receive the Holy Ghost. We had people caught up in human trafficking. That had been sold into human slavery. And then break away and get out and come back. And receive deliverance the Holy Ghost. And be baptized in Jesus. We had a move of God every night. But every night. I would have that same dream. After the first night, it was okay. It was just a little, I didn't really know what was going on. But after the third night, after the fourth night, after the fifth night of having the same exact dream, I knew something was up. So I did what was common sense. I called Brother Cisco. And I said, Brother Cisco, what's going on? I'm in Madisonville, Kentucky. And he goes, huh, 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 huh. 
He said, a lot of things happen in Madisonville. He said, actually, that's where I was mentored into all things apostolic. He said, that's where I seen my first angel. That's where I seen my first miracle. He said, that's where I was mentored by Jimmy Russell into the things, all things apostolic. I said, wow. But then I said, what about the dreams? And he got real serious and he said, oh, don't worry. Don't be afraid. He said, that's just my angel that's there with you. Now, don't linger. Don't linger where you are because God's wanting to show us something. Well, I don't know about that. Listen, I didn't either. So I did what was smart to me. I called my pastor. And I said, pastor, this is kind of spooky to me. But I've had the same dream for six nights in a row. And it was Brother Cisco sitting on the edge of my bed prophesying to me in white robes and and I called him and he said that it was his angel that was with me on this trip and all of a sudden my pastor begins to weep and cry on the other end of the phone and my pastor he don't weep and cry he's real alpha male he just don't just weep and cry unless something is happening so you can hear him on the other edge end of the phone and he starts weeping and he starts taking his breath I said, Pastor, what's wrong? What's wrong? You can hear him just physically, you physically sobbing and he's just crying on the other end. I said, Pastor, what is it? What's going on? He said, he, he said, Ryan, he said, last night, he said, I had a dream. And last night, he said, my pastor, brother Butcher, was sitting on the edge of my bed in white robes and parting to me. I said, some came on me. And I said, Pastor, don't you realize that there's an angel sitting on the edge of your bed. Antioch, what I'm saying to you is that there is more that God is calling you to. There is a door open and he's saying, climb the mountain. Come on, let me stretch your faith just a little bit. I'm telling you, hey, Timothy, you talked in tongues and you spoke in the Filipino language just like I did. What if God wanted to put an angel on the edge of your bed? See, you can have your good jobs, you can have your degree, but I have a door that's open to me. I refuse to linger in the lesser things of God. Antioch, you need to get back to your roots where you had the angelic visitations when you would pray all night.
Now listen. Come on, deep is calling to deep right now. Come on, how many want more? How many want more? How many want your kids to be saved? How many want your wife not to look back? How many? I'm telling you, there's miracles that are yet to happen. There's deliverance that is yet to happen. Now, listen, you young people, you young Nat and Nathaniel, stand to your feet. All you young people on your feet, I want you up on your feet right now. Because God's going to give you instruction on how to pray. God's going to give you instruction on how to pray. Because there was something that happened when he began to pray and wrestle with that angel. Something that caused Jacob to change. Let me show you, everybody. Because I don't want you to just go chasing. I want you to know how to pray. So that you can leave with a limp tonight. Okay? That in that wrestling match, he did not just leave with a limp. The way that he walked and the way that he lived. But God changed who he was. Because in that wrestling match, Genesis 32, watch. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And the angel turns to him. And he said unto him, what is your name? Who are you? And he said, Jacob. Now that may not seem very significant, but it was because this wasn't the first time that he had been asked this question. Because there was another blessing he was after when he was with his earthly father. He'd come to his earthly father. And when he came to his earthly father, you find it in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 18. Watch this. Genesis 20, and when he came unto his father, after the blessing of his brother Esau, Jacob just wanted the blessing, and he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? He said, Who are you? But remember, the setting is, he's trying to get the blessing. He wants his father's blessing on his life. So what he does to get it, he dresses up like his brother Esau. He puts hair on his arm. 
so he can imitate Feel like his brother. Look like his brother. Because Jacob was trying to be what he thought his father wanted him to be. He was trying to be somebody he wasn't. But God can't change the person you pretend to be. So when his father said, who are you? My son. Get the picture. He's dressed up like Esau. That hunter. That man of the field. That son of his. That was completely given. To his expectations. Of his father. And now Jacob. All he wants is to be blessed. So he dressed up like somebody. Dressed up like Esau. He dressed up like him. Acted like him. And was trying to be what he thought his father wanted him to be. And his father asked him before he would ever bless him. Who are you? And watch his response. Verse 19. And Jacob said unto his father. I am Esau. Who are you? Let me ask Antioch. Who are you really? Are you trying to be something that you're not? Are you just trying to live up to the expectation of somebody, something that somebody put on you? Or oh, He said, who are you? He said, I'm Esau. Trying to be what he wasn't. That's why when the angel in that night season wrestling with Jacob a hold of that angel, he said, who are you? God knew the last time you were asked that question. You were pretending to be somebody you weren't trying to live up to your father's expectation of who you think he wanted you to be, but you knew that you weren't. But this time in the middle of wrestling with an angel, that angel said, what is your name? And watch what the amplified version says in Genesis 32 and whatever verse I gave you in the amplified. And the man asked him, what is your name? And watch. And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanter, schemer, I'm a trickster. I'm a swindler. And the first time in his life, he was honest with who he really was. If you tonight want to leave with a limp, different than who you were. God cannot change who you pretend to be. He can only change who you really are. So he's asking Antioch one last time. Who are you really? Put off the weight of the expectations of others. And give yourself to who you really are. You need to come to God and say. Yeah I'm struggling. Yeah God I've got some issues. Yeah God I, I messed up my marriage. But God this is who I really am. I'm Jacob. So I want everybody in this house, if you would, to stand to your feet. And I want you to do me a favor. This is probably going to be the most unique altar call that you've ever been a part of. 
because I'm going to do ask you to do something you are completely uncomfortable with to make you vulnerable enough to be honest with God. I want you right now where you are. I want you to slip off just one shoe. Come on, everybody. I know you didn't buy all those fancy socks just to keep them in shoes. I know that. Now, you're in a position, every one of you, that you're about to make a decision. When I had you take your shoe off, you know what that did? If you decide to come to this altar, you have to choose to either limp to this altar or choose to linger unless... Come on, somebody make your choice. Come on, God is calling you right now. He says, don't bring who you think you should be. Don't bring who you think others should or who you think you should be. Don't bring who you, bring who you really are to this altar. Bring your struggles, bring your fear and say, God, here's my And you get a hold of God until he touches you in a way like men could not touch. Touches you in a way where you leave different. Come on, be honest with God. Come on, you're leaving with a legacy one way or another. Please don't linger. Come on, young men, young women, there's more. Come on, mama. Come on, dad. What's your name? Who are you? Don't share with them your fears. <laughs> Come on, that's it right now. There's more. Come on, don't you stop praying until you've got a limp. Don't you stop praying until you leave different. Come on, God is reaching down right now. God is releasing angels to minister right now.
Come on, let God change you. Let God. Let God touch you. That's it. That's it. I don't know Come on, Antioch. I refuse. I do refuse to linger unless. That's it. Let your voice out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I feel the hand of God reaching down to somebody. He's about to heal something in you that's been broken for a long time. He's about to touch something in you that doctors could not fix, that psychiatrists couldn't help. He's about to touch it. Come on, don't linger. Don't linger. Come on, climb that mountain. Press. Press. I'm not leaving till I'm changed. I'm not leaving until God touches me. Come on, who are you? Who are you? What's your name? Who are you really? Come on, if you need to bow your knee at this altar, go ahead and fall on your face and say, God, I'm not going to let you go until you change who I really am. What legacy? What legacy will you leave? What legacy will Antioch leave? What legacy will be left by the church? Come on, reach over to somebody, begin to pray. God, touch them. God, do what only you can. God, change them. 
That's it, brother. Reach over to your brother. That's it, sister. Reach over to your sister and say in the name of Jesus. Touch their mind. Touch their emotion. Touch their broken body. Touch them right now. Come on, I'm calling for the men of this church. I'm calling for every man in this house. I'm calling for you to step up. I'm calling out to you to climb the mountain. Be that spiritual leader. Be that spiritual authority. Come on, men, step out. Pray for your sons. Pray for your daughters. That's it, Dad. Pray. Pray for your wife, husband. Pray. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. You've got it. You've got it. You've got it. That's it. That's it, Dad. That's it, Dad. Let him know there's more. Let him know. Get a hold of him. Get a hold of God and don't you let go until you are absolutely changed. Not just the way that you walk, but you are changed. The very nature of who you are is changed. That's it, husbands, get your wives and tell them, don't look back, baby. Don't you look back, there's more to God. Don't you look back. Husbands, lead. Fathers, lead. Men, lead.
Let your families know there's more. Come on, receive you the Holy Ghost right now. There's somebody receiving the Holy Ghost right now. Speak it out what you feel right now. That's it. Let a boldness come on the body of Christ. Let a boldness come on. They would come out and cause you to step out. Step out and pray for them. Step out and pray that intercession. That's it, young lady. That's it, young lady. Let your voice out. Let your voice out. When you let your voice out, you're letting God in. When you let your voice out, you're letting God in. That's it. Let God lead you right now. Let God lead you into a place with Him. Let God lead you right now. That's it right now. Come on. God is doing miracles right now. Come on, why don't you be that messenger angel to somebody? And why don't you find somebody right now and pray God touch them. God change them right now. God change who they are. Change the way that they walk. Let them leave different. Come on, Antioch, reach out to them. Be that angel to them. Special on you right now. Give yourself what you feel right now. Stick it out.